Well, I don't know how many of you have had the honor of meeting Ron Gillette, but if you have, then you know how blessed that we are in this house. Yes? Ron and Caroline Gillette have been so faithful over the years, and um, I'm just thinking about all the fruit, literally fruit, of your loins that we have uh, that we have inherited because of your faithfulness. And you know what? God is all about honor. And I thought, you know what? I want to get one of the fathers of this house who has literally helped populate this church the old-fashioned way um, to pray over us and over this service before we get going. So um, we just want to thank you, though, Ron, for your faithfulness in the kingdom and in this house. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the word of God that as Josh has prepared, Lord, I pray that you cause each of us to allow the fallow ground that might be in our heart to be plowed and turned over and be fertile ground. I pray that the word of God today would go forth from his lips and be the engrafted word that's able to save our soul and change our lives forever. And Lord, we just thank you for your, for your faithfulness to us, and we just ask you that the word of God would be truly presented in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Don't you just love his voice? It reminds me of Jeff Bridges when I think about it. I, like, I think we should maybe do... Anyway, okay, I'm going to stop. But I, that's a radio voice right there. Love you, Bron. Well, I see Jordan Woodruff. Jordan, why don't you stand up? We're so excited. She flew in from New York City, and she's with us today, and we love her. Another princess of this house. I love that scripture. It says that the children of the righteous will be the most beautiful in the land. Come on. Case in point. Well, listen, before I get going here, I do have one thing that I want to do. Tyler Seaborn, where are you? Are you hiding? Come on up here, Tyler. And um, look at this handsome guy. I, I feel like, yeah, just get a look at him. Woo. And just so you know, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, he is available. So um, at any rate, uh, Tyler is moving to Corvallis. Everybody say, oh. And um, what an amazing guy. This little, this little sweetheart um, was the first grandchild born to the Revises. And uh, I used to put him in, I had a soft guitar case, and I would put him in the soft guitar case and play guitar to him when he was a little baby. And he was so stubborn then, and he's tenacious now, but he would not go to sleep unless you came in and like patted him. And you didn't, you couldn't just kind of pat him. You had to like womp him, like on the diaper. And he would finally go to sleep. I feel like anytime you're going to bless someone, if they're your family and you're all my family, so watch out, then you should be allowed to embarrass them a little bit too. Does anyone else want to come up and be blessed? No? Okay. Wait, come. <laughs> anyway, we just want to pray over Tyler as he relocates to Corvallis. Um, we're excited about that. We know he's going to be a blessing to Corvallis. He's still going to be involved with Christ Center, um, but maybe not be able to be as uh, consistent as he once was, not character-wise, of course, but literally visiting us. I think I better stop talking and let's pray. But um, why don't we get mom and dad up here? I'm going to start praying while they walk because we're multitaskers. Father, I just want to thank you so much for Tyler. Lord, he is such a blessing. God, he is such a champion of others. Father, I thank you, God, for the way that you have brought him up as a man in this house. And we're so honored, God, to send him out and to see him get established and extend your kingdom in Corvallis. So he certainly has our blessing, Lord. We say be with him. 
And Lord, I give you thanks for what a blessing Tyler has been in my life and what an amazing kid he turned out to be. And I just hand him off to you, God, because the reality is you are his father. And I pray that you continue to be, and of course I will be. And I just pray as he goes out there and finds himself that you would be with him. Amen. 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 Tyler, thank you for everything you do and have done here. We love you. Okay. Well, are you guys ready? Bible check. Who has one? You're going to need it today. I did not put together a keynote. I was like, this is the test. It's the end of the world as you know it. And you don't get the scripture on the screen. All right, we're going to Ruth. In my Bible, that's page 145. If you don't have my Bible, that information is useless. <laughs> now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you the story of Ruth. And I'm going to make some comments as we go. And it's all going to come together beautifully. Are you guys ready? All right. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malin and Killian. Killian, sorry. Killian. <laughs> his friends called him Killian. It's a long story. They were... <laughs> Come on, man. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, and may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them, and, and they wept out loud and, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm going, am I going to have more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And at this they wept again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. You go back with her. Oh, come on, you cheater. <laughs> this is called grace. It feels good, doesn't it? Some of you do feel like you're seeing grace in action right now. That's good. That's why you have a team as well. Some of us have more grace than others. Look, said Naomi. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be, be buried. 
And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So I want to make just a couple of points. I'm going to continue with the story, but it's interesting because here, first of all, Naomi's wrong. She's giving God credit for all these terrible things that have happened. But how many of you know that God didn't invent death? And he didn't invent curses. Those are the things that came because of sin. But, but, but Naomi is looking at life and she's saying, life stinks right now. And you know whose fault it is? It's God. In fact, it's so much God's fault that I'm going to change my name because he's dealt me a really bad hand. But Ruth loves God. And Ruth loves Naomi. And so Ruth says, I'm going to honor you, Naomi. I'm going to stick with you. You are the one I want to be with. I want to be with you, and I want to be with your God. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Your family will be my family. And I will stay with you. And, and, you, and I want you to catch this because this is in the midst of Naomi having the darkest night of the soul. Naomi, it, it, for all intents and purposes, Naomi has lost hope in God. She just changed her name to sorrow. And gave God credit for it. And in the midst of that, Ruth is saying, oh, but Naomi, your God will be my God. Well, my God gave me nothing but trouble. It was your husband that died. They were my sons. I'm changing my name to sorrow. And it's his fault. Well, I will be with you, though. No matter what happens, that God will be my God. You see that? Let's continue. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. (coughs) And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields. I just said that. (laughs) Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. And Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, whose young woman is that? (laughs) And the foreman replied, she's the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. And so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls and watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you're thirsty, you go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. And at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? 
And Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, Boaz saw immediately what it was that Ruth had done. He said, you have come to take refuge under the shelter of our God's wings. You left your own gods. You left your own family. And you honored this woman. This woman who at this time has nothing to offer you. Who's gathering the grain right now? It's not Naomi. Ruth's kind of putting everything into this at this moment, isn't she? She's chosen to honor Ruth. The first commandment with promise in the Bible is this. Honor your mother and father, that it may go well with you and you may have long life in the land. It's the first commandment with promise. And here is Ruth, leaving the false gods of her own country and clinging to the one true God and honoring her mother-in-law. And she says to her, you will be my mother and your people will be my people and I will die where you die. And the interesting thing about this is it's in the midst of Naomi not really being a very good mother. How many of you have gone to your mother for encouragement and said, I just don't know what to do. It feels like everything's against me. And then they say, well, it's because it is. And you know who's doing it? God. Like, thank you for that fantastic encouragement. Well, that's the kind of encouragement that Ruth is getting right now. So, but you see, I I just want to bring some clarity to what's going on here. We read these stories, and you got a whole life story written in four chapters. You can kind of miss some things. And I, and I, I think it's important that we understand this, because we live in a day and an age where honor isn't really honor. The honor you hear about most of the time here has more to do with you do your thing, I do my thing, you don't tell me what to do, I won't tell you what to do. That's not honor. That's just apathy. That's not my preach, it's just that was free. We now return to our story. And so he says, uh, verse 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said, He says, she said, I'm sorry, I have to start over. 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. So she's humbling herself now before Boaz and saying, look at what you've done. I I honor that as well. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for there for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. And so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough, some of the barley. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. And the name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. And then Ruth, why do I keep doing this? Okay, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. 
He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen, redeemers. And then Ruth, the Moabitess, said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. And so Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now listen, look at this. Okay, Mara, Naomi, who's now Mara, sorrow, God hates me and, and life stinks, Ruth shows up and says, I'm going to honor you, and I, w- I want you to understand something. Honor begets honor. Honor creates honor. Honor starts honor. Honor creates an environment where more honor is released. Ruth sees that God's hand is on Naomi, even when Naomi doesn't see it. And she says, I am going to, you are my mother. You are my mother, and you will remain my mother. And even though right now you're not acting anything like a good mother, it doesn't matter because I honor you as my mother. And then, and then Naomi goes back to her people. And Ruth is taking care of Naomi. Naomi can't go out and gather grain. Ruth's doing the work. Ruth's putting in the effort. Ruth isn't getting anything out of this deal yet. And here's what's amazing. Ruth becomes the savior in this situation for Naomi. And right here we see Naomi just caught it. Naomi goes, all of a sudden she goes, well, where? Well, first she sees the fruit of it, right? And, And here's what's amazing. Ruth honoring Naomi is what made Boaz and the whole town take notice of Ruth. Honor created a place where the whole city looked at the way that Ruth was acting. And they went, oh my gosh, you're the one. Oh my Yahweh. You're the one that left your people to take care of a widow who can't even have any more kids. Basically, you're the one that just signed your own, your own, the death of your own family line. You just signed away anything. See, you got to realize this was in a time when women had very, very little value. They were, it's just how it was. You women did not have great value. And so the way that you created value, you're viable. This is unfortunate. It wasn't God's idea. Praise God, Jesus came and we're away from that, huh? But during that time, you had to have sons, and, and Ruth is walking away from the opportunity to have sons, to go take care of an old lady who forgot how to even like God right now. What did I just say wrong? Some, you guys are all smirking at me. What did I do? I'll check the tape later. And so then she comes back now after doing this. She comes back after being such an honorable, amazing woman that has created a name for her. And the town takes notice of her, and Boaz goes, you're the one. You're that one. Fellas, you leave some grain out for that woman. This woman is amazing. She's not too, she's pretty easy on the eyes as well, I think. And then, he, and then she goes back with all this grain, the fruit, the thing that got created by honor. She comes back with the fruits of that, and then Naomi goes, what? You know, she says, Mara, look at what I've got. And she goes, call me Naomi. And then, then it, and then Naomi goes, and while we're at it, Boaz, you got to be kidding me. Boaz is my family. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer in my family. Not Mara's family, Naomi's family, which is why I'm changing my name back. But you know who Boaz was not a kinsman redeemer to? 
Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite. Let's keep going. Uh, let's start chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Naomi, uh, one day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you would be well provided for? Is not Boaz, uh, with whose servants, girls, you have been, a kinsman of ours? Isn't this beautiful? Suddenly she's saying, Naomi, Naomi is saying to Ruth, I'm sorry, Ruth, you got people. Ruth, is not Boaz our people? Is he not our relative? Why, why is Naomi saying to Ruth, these are our people? This is our inheritance. Why? Because Ruth said, you, I will honor you. You are my mother. And you know what Naomi says? You know what? You're my daughter. And now suddenly the getting's getting good. She has a little more to offer than just cursing her God and dying. Suddenly now, Naomi remembers she's a mother. Look at this transformation. Suddenly Naomi is getting hope. Honor has created an atmosphere where Naomi remembers she's a mother. And she starts thinking like one. Shouldn't I figure out a way for you to have a home to live in? What am I doing? I was going to just curl up and die, but now you honored me, and I remembered that I have something to offer, and I want to offer what I have. And you know what I have to offer you? An inheritance. My people have a thing called a kinsman redeemer. And she says, I'm going to start with verse 2 again. Is not Boaz with whose servants, girls, you have been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume, 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 wash and perfume yourself and, and put on your best clothes and then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he's lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. And so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Okay, I want you to catch that right there. And so she did everything her mother told her to do. Selah. Let's continue. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile, and Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Woo! Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman, redeemer. And he says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. Isn't this amazing? He's saying, you honored Naomi, and that made me think you were awesome. But now, you're picking me, and that makes me think you're even more awesome. <laughs> he, says, he says, you're not running after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen will know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. And so she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he also said, bring me the shawl you were wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. And then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? And then she told her everything. 
that Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until, wait, (laughs) blah, blah. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. And when the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, then Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. And so he went over and sat down. And Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town, and he said, sit here. And they did so. And then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. Well, I'll redeem it, he said. And then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And now in the early times in Israel, I'm sorry, now in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And that was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. And so the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. And then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. And I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. And then the elders and all those at the gate said, we're witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. And may you have standing in, in uh, Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now listen to this. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. And may he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. And then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Come on! Think about this. It just, it goes without saying, but I never do that. I have to say as well. Ruth chose to honor her mother. The first commandment with promise, honor your mother and father that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. And when she chose to honor her, she didn't just choose to do it when her mother-in-law was acting like a good mother-in-law. She chose to do it because it was in her heart and because she was a woman of honor. And what's extraordinary about this is that in that moment, when Ruth chose to honor a woman who, in, for all intents and purposes, at this point, 
I mean, let's just look at the facts for a moment. She's denying that her God is good. How many of you would like to honor a leader who in that moment is having a hard time remembering God is good? How often do we look at someone that we would say, I will honor you as long as I agree with you. I will honor you as long as you act the way that I think someone in your station should act. I will honor you unless I become familiar with your weaknesses, at which point I will distance myself from you and you will no longer be a spiritual mother or a spiritual father to me because you don't deserve to be anymore. You see, the thing you have to understand about the honor that comes from the Father is that every one of us is created. Every one of us is created, which means that you did not create yourself. You see, your only link to the Father, the Father, is your own mother and father. Your only link to the father are the mothers and fathers in your life. God doesn't circumvent mothers and fathers to get inheritance and blessing to you. He works through inheritance. And when you honor someone, you honor them because by honoring them, you're honoring God. And the day that Ruth chose to honor, she had no idea that this is what was going to happen, but she knew, I must honor this woman because I am a woman of honor and I love this woman. And I'm fully aware of her weaknesses right now, but I, she will be a mother to me and I will be a daughter to her and her people will be my people and her God will be my God. And I will walk in honor even if she's not in that moment delivering the goods as she should because truly she wasn't. But in that day, do you understand that Ruth became a mother of Jesus Christ? Do you understand that in that day, Ruth became a part of the lineage of the Messiah? In the day that Ruth chose to honor a mother, she became a mother. And if I will not honor mothers and fathers, if I will not honor those who go before me, if I will not honor those who are around me, I will never be a father, and I will never be able to bear fruit. Not in the kingdom. You see, the kingdom, the kingdom runs on honor. When I first came to Christ Center, one of the first things that God said to me is he said, I'm restoring honor to this house. I was walking around. I used to come in every morning, five days a week, and I would pray from six to seven. I did it for the first two years that I was here. Is that right, Karen, two years? Yes, my wife verifies it. And I would come in every morning, and, and uh, Red had reminded me that this, house was, that, that this house used to do that. And he said, we used to get up, and, and we'd come in here, and we would pray. And the Lord said, I want you to do that. I want you to go redig that well. I think that in itself is really beautiful. I didn't think of coming and praying in the morning. One of the fathers in this house said, listen, part of the way that we dug a well here, part of the things that you're seeing here were birthed in prayer. Come in this building and pray for an hour. And so I did. And as I was walking around this building and I was praying in tongues, and many of you, you don't, you don't know, but, and maybe some of you do, but we were going through a very, very hard time as a, as a house, as a tribe at that time. Our pastor had been indicted and was under uh, suspicion of all kinds of things. And I had all kinds of well-meaning leaders that kept coming to me, and they kept saying, you know, John seems like a nice guy, but I'll tell you what, don't trust him. John seems like a great guy, and he's a good evangelist, but I'll tell you what, he, he will destroy you. He will destroy you. Don't trust him. Don't trust him. And these were other leaders that are doing good works, but when it came to John, they were consistently letting me know, you are in a bear trap. You just don't know it yet. And so me, being a wise man, and, uh, and I heard from another wise man who I very much respect, he used to say, trust, but verify. Those of you that like him know who I'm talking about. Those of you who don't, it's okay. 
Trust but verify. And so, I, and so I began to ask questions, and it's good that I should because I was still getting to know John. I don't have time to tell the story of how I became a pastor here, but that in of itself was quite miraculous. So I got to become an associate pastor, be mentored to take over Christ Center, and get to know John and this team all at the same time. And so during this time, I'm hearing these things, and, and I was coming before the Lord, and I was saying, God, what, you know, am I being wise? Is this wise? I've got a lot of people that are telling me, like, don't trust this guy. Like, don't trust this guy. I mean, this, you know, I kind of figured something like this would happen someday. That's, that's what they would say. You know, this stands to reason. I kind of always knew something was up. I always knew something would happen. And I don't have time to tell you about the situation that was facing John, but the bottom line was it was a horrible, horrible injustice. All of those who have looked into it, look at it and go, this is an injustice. John is working with the Billy Graham Association, and what they do is they go investigate you before they'll work with you to make sure that it's not going to besmirch the Billy Graham Association name. And they came back to him and said, you got screwed. It was off the record, but that's what they said, okay? So at any rate, it was a terrible situation. And you know what? At the end of it, he went to prison for 10 months, and it didn't get easier while he was in prison because then the people came in and said, well, you know what? I mean, come on. Where there's smoke, there's fire. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck, all that kind of stuff. And I said, Father, I need to know what to do here. And as I was praying, as I was praying, the Lord said, Joshua, you've done good. You've done your due diligence. You've asked questions. But it's time for you to understand something. John is my friend, and I want you to trust him because I trust him. And I want you to stop listening to these guys. It was right that you needed to listen. It was right that you needed to verify, but now you stop. And I want you to trust him because I trust him. And, I want, and you can trust him. It's not foolish. And you know what? Then I stopped listening. And here's something that's amazing is I honor John, who has given more money and more time to this house than anyone else. And I do mean more money. He has given of his own life. He and Linda Gay, they have poured their lives into people. They've given, they're so ridiculously generous. It's amazing. And as I've stood with them, then I have seen God's friend. And you know what happened when I began to honor John? I became John's friend. And I became God's friend. And I became someone who inherits spiritual capital that I don't deserve. I have authority in this region that I didn't earn. I have authority in this region that I inherited because I honored God's friend. And you know who called God's friend? God. See, here's the thing, lest any of us get too proud when we get called, he's the God that says, I speak to the things that are not as though they are. So every time that I'm feeling like a really great leader, I'm like, man, I'm really kind of anointed. He's like, yeah, I know, I called you because you had nothing going. (laughs) (laughs) And so when people look and see what you've done, they go, oh, that had to be God because I've known this guy. I know this guy. Amen. Now, here's, here's the beauty of this balance. You see, Familiarity outside of a culture of honor will breed contempt. My team knows me. You you guys want to know something about me? I'll I'll tell on myself a little bit. And I didn't know this about me until Jason told me. I honor him. I'm just kidding. I really do. He came to me and he said, you know, I I don't remember how it came up, and I and I can't spend a lot of time on this, but he said this. He said, one thing I noticed about you, and he and and actually this was beautiful. This is not a joke. This was beautiful. He came and he said, you know, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what are some of the things that you've brought me to Christ Center for? And, and Jason said, I, I realized that one of the things that I do get to do here, that God brought me here for, is for you, Joshua. Because when you're focused on something, 
you embrace it with everything in you, and for a time, you can't see anything else. And, you, and it's easy for you to think everything is about that one thing. And he said, and what I get to do is come alongside and work through that and enjoy riding that wave. But I also get to help you know it's not the only wave. And he's beautiful at it. And without him, you would not enjoy going where I'm going. We'd be like, woo! And then, woo! And then, you know, so anyway. And you've probably experienced a little of that. Don't tell me. Anyway, what's the point? The point is he could have chosen to go, oh, okay, I was kind of waiting I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was kind of waiting to see, you know, all right, yeah, yeah, all right. You, you, you're like a little, you're like a little, little yappy dog. Like, ooh, squirrel, squirrel, you know. Um, but instead he's saying, you know what, you're the man that God called. You see, I'm not here because I'm qualified to be here outside of the fact that God said, I'm calling you. Joshua, I want you to come and I want you to lead Christ Center. And I said, Lord, if this is what you want, I'll do it. That's my only qualification is that he called me. And the reason why Red and Jason and Jeff and Sarah and Janelle and all of you are here is because God called you. You see, you're here because of the call of God. He said, you are my son, you are my daughter. And in that day, we said, you are my father. And he said, I want to introduce you also to some other mothers and fathers in your life, and they will help you. And if you follow what they tell you, it will go well with you, and you will live long in the land, and you will be blessed. You see, he said, honor me by honoring your mothers and fathers. Are you catching this? And you know what that does? You see, when I began to honor John in spite of, and John has weaknesses too, by the way, and I became aware of them over the last 10 years. And they're extraordinary. Do you know why they're extraordinary? I'm not dissing him. Do you know why they're extraordinary? Because he has extraordinary gifts. Babe Ruth held the, the record for home runs and strikeouts at the same time. And you can only do that if you do hold both of those. You're swinging for the fences. So I can say, well, that's just John. He's just swinging for the fences. Or I can say, that man led a team that led 25,000 people to Christ in Guatemala and got in to lead the, the soldiers to Jesus by simply saying, yes, Lord, my life is a blank check. You want us to go to Guatemala? We'll go to Guatemala. You want us to paint our faces like clowns and do a, a little skit? Okay, we'll do it. 25,000 people got saved with some painted faces and a skit. Swing for the fences, John. Swing for the fences. And I'm not going to make fun of you because you believe that God just might do it. Because every time God says something big that we're supposed to do, it's laughable. Joshua's going to be a fantastic pastor to Christ Center. <laughs> not the one I know. But God says, but I'll be with you. And I go, well, if you'll be with me. And then he says, and I'm not sending you by yourself. I'm giving you Red. I'm giving you Ed. I'm giving you Doug. I'm giving you Andrew. I'm giving you Mike Kaiser. I'm giving you Ron Gillette. I'm giving you fathers. I'm giving you mothers. I'm giving you Lena Gay. I actually brought your own mother here just in case you get lippy. <laughs> you see, but if I were to take, if I allow myself to begin to allow familiarity to breed contempt, I will stop honoring you. And when I stop honoring you, I lose my lifeline 
to the Father and to the inheritance. One of the things that, that I thought, I thought I was a pretty awesome leader. Something happened when I first came here, and I, and I think I better wrap up with this. Well, this is just a personal part of my journey, and as I was meditating about honor and inheriting things that I honestly, because here's the thing, guys. Did you notice the thing about an, inherit, an inheritance is that you didn't earn it? Have you noticed that? Like when your parents die and leave you everything they earned, you didn't earn it. And I also noticed your parents are usually older than you when they die, which means they've been on the earth longer than you, which means they accumulated more than you could have, and they gave it to you. And I'm talking about spiritual blessing as well as financial. I know this is a pretty hard concept, isn't it? Well, it's the same thing with God, except for with God, when you honor the mothers and fathers that he brings into your life, first and foremost, your flesh ones, but then secondly, your spiritual ones. He, he plugs you into a generation an entire heritage from Adam until now of spiritual momentum and blessing where the mantle of Elisha and Elijah comes upon you through the Spirit of God because you're honoring the mothers and fathers of the faith. And when you do not not honor mothers and fathers, you do not receive the momentum or any of those things that are in the kingdom. See, you're not part of your own kingdom. You did not create yourself. You could not give birth to yourself. You did not evolve yourself. You are not the survival of the fittest. You're the survival of those that can then honor and humble, humble themselves before and say, you are my mother. You are my father. This day I become your son. I will listen to you. I am humble. I am not a fool. Tell me what I need to know. I want to hear from you. Even if you're blowing it right now, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to pray that God opens your eyes up, but I'm going to bless you because you're God's friend. You're God's son. The Spirit of God is in you. The blessing of God flows through you, and I can't get to it unless I allow your blessing to come upon me, and it will only come upon me if I hold you in honor. And when I do that, amazingly, sometimes I connect you back with your purpose, Sometimes I connect you back with the blessing of God. Sometimes you're Mara. It was, I thought, Josh, that was such a good word, man. You're, you're going, there's some of you that are here, and you think you're too old. You think you're too broken. You think you're too whatevered. And he's saying, get back up. Climb the mountain. Well, there's a, now Josh is becoming a father in this house, but for some of you, he's a son. And here's your son going, hey, Mara, your name's Naomi. It's not Mara. And you go, if you are calling me, if you're sticking with me, then I'm going to start looking for life again. I'm going to start looking for a house again. Amen? Amen. So when I first came here, I'm, we're meeting with all these leaders. And, and, I, and honestly, I, I, it's just kind of amazing. But we're meeting with all these leaders. And I'm meeting with like Ben Cross. You know, he's the pastor of the largest church here. They've got like 6,000 members on the books, you know. And, and uh, that doesn't mean that all 6,000 are showing up on Sunday. You know how that works. But, um, and, and I'm meeting with like Gary Clark. And I'm meeting with, you know, Van at, at Willamette. And I'm meeting with all these leaders. And every time we meet, and Red, and Red and Ed came to me. And they're like, dude, this is crazy. Like, you've got such favor with these leaders. They're all talking to you like you're somebody. We know you, so we know that's a sign and a wonder. And, uh, and so as we're introducing and we got these guys involved in One Hope, but they really were, they're just like, treating me like I'm somebody, and I, and I didn't even really think about it, because honestly, something, that, and I think God's just gifted me with this, but I am a relatively humble person, so I'm not like running around like, it's right here, you know, I usually am just like, you know, how can we serve, how can we move, I really love our region, so I honestly didn't really think about it, and then when they said that, and I was, I was, I was meditating on this, and I thought, you know, that is really interesting, what is going on here, why are these other leaders treating me with such honor, And I thought, and and it dawned on me just now, because you're honoring my friend. You're honoring a team 
that has been ministering in this valley for over 30 years. You're honoring a team that's been ministering in this valley for over 30 years. And as you've done that, I've given you equity with other pastors that look at you. And even though they shouldn't yet, they go, I think you're a team player. I trust you. You have authority in this region. And I recognize the authority that's on your life. And they treat me. I mean, I love our tribe, guys, but we're not a huge tribe yet. I mean, we're a nice-sized tribe. I love you. You look good. You know, not too big, not too skinny. But I'm just saying, we're not like a huge, you know, it's not like they're going, well, you got to give Josh a couple props. You know, he's got a really big several thousand member church. No, we're Christ Center. We're in Junction City. I mean, we're where heaven touches earth and moves outward, but we're still not a huge numeric church. So if we're getting into the sanctified number counting contests with other pastors, that's not why they're honoring me. They're honoring me because I honor God and I honor his friends, the mothers and fathers in my life. And you know what it's done? It's made me into a mother or father. Now, that's humbling. So what's the point? I didn't earn any of it. What's the point for you? You can't earn any of it. What's the point for all of us? Honor your mother and father. Honor those people that are in your life. Honor the body of Christ. Honor one another. Because what it does is it creates life. And so for those of us that are trying to work through, and, and, and I, I know I'm going a little bit long, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this right now. The greatest enemy of honor is hurt feelings. The greatest enemy of honor is contempt. You get your feelings hurt because your schedule isn't going as quickly as you thought that it, that it should. You, you get upset, each of us, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to say, let me say we, I mean, I really do mean we. We get upset because we look around and we see the weaknesses of those that are in our life and we see the timetable and we see all these things and, and pretty soon the accuser of the brethren is right there to get you to try to agree with him about their weaknesses. Well, first of all, God sees their weaknesses and they weren't qualified and I'm not qualified and you're not qualified based on your strengths. You're qualified based on your call. Who is your daddy? And who are your mothers and fathers? And so when the enemy comes, what I have to do is I have to work through this and I have to trust my father. You see, Ruth trusted her father in heaven and honored her mother on earth in the midst of no hope of there being any redemption of this situation and ended up being promoted to being the mother of the Messiah in the lineage of the mother of the Messiah. I mean, come on. Now, we're called to do the same things. We're called to see the kingdom birthed through us, through our connection, through our relationship, and through our spiritual maturation of releasing heaven as we do it together. You see, in this room are the people that God has called to be mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, to shape you, to prepare you. But also, it's not about you to prepare us so that we'll extend the kingdom. And if I fire the people from my life because they've offended me or they hurt me and I don't work through that process, I allow that familiarity to breed contempt where I no longer honor my family, my mother and father, the mothers and fathers, and I remove myself from the process. If I think I can be an independent contractor and move forward in the kingdom, I am mistaken and I am altogether defeated. The gospel writer says, if there is controversies and strife and backbiting and quarreling and arguments... Are you not already completely defeated? You're acting like mere men. Honor says, we'll get through this. I refuse 
to look down on you. I will honor you. I will pray for revelation. I'll take the time to try to communicate. Let's work through this. I don't have to just be like, I honor you. I'll never ask questions. No, you go and you ask questions because you honor. But even if you disagree, you continue to honor. You see, the world, they need Jesus. But Jesus comes through this body. And so then that means we must hang together. It means we must stick together. It means we must grow together. It means we must cooperate together. You are not a part of your own. You're not a body on your own. You're a part of this body. And you cannot thrive without it. And you cannot extend the kingdom without it. Let's pray. Father, we know that every one of us has been tempted, Lord. We've all been tempted. We've been tempted by hurt feelings. We've been tempted by outright injustice. We've been tempted by um, all of the things, Lord. The accuser of the brethren comes, and he's constantly accusing us to each other, and he's constantly encouraging us to become independent contractors and to pretend like we can operate outside of the body of Christ, outside of communication, outside of of the, the beauty of what you've built. And Father, we just repent today for siding with him, God, we repent today in any place where we have allowed ourselves, first of all, to dishonor our own mothers and fathers, and then secondly, to dishonor our spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. Lord, where we've given ourselves permission to leave and to try to make our own way and make our own plan and do it our own way, Father, forgive us. Today, Lord, we say, God, search me. Show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to make amends, and show me where I need to come and say, Lord, I choose this people. They will be my people, and you will be my father, and among them will be mothers and fathers, and I will die where they die, and I will live where they live, and I will thrive where they thrive, and together we will take the whole gospel to the whole city. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have the uh, prayer servant team come forward if you need healing in your body, if you need encouragement. Specifically today, that thing about uh, hopelessness, if that's you, I want you to get prayer today. Uh, everybody who's coming up won't be coming up for hopelessness. There's anonymity for you. But, uh, but I want you to come up. If that's been something where you need breakthrough, I want somebody to agree with you. All right, prayer servant team, will you come forward? May the Lord bless you.